Welcome to Process Movement, where I, Ben Clement, explore people's relationships with their creative practices, as well as how they move and are active in the world through art, athleticism, and lifestyle. In this episode, I speak with Alice Eyre, who is a Melbourne-based designer and illustrator. Alice's style is memorably colourful and reflects her life in Melbourne, her travels to France and also Japan, and her love for food, all mixed in with patterns and collage and drawing. Alice's work has become part of many different books, installations, homewares and various exhibitions. I've luckily known Alice for many years, connecting through Melbourne's arts and then our love for running. We chat about Alice's experiences, her outlook on work and lifestyle, and how running interweaves through it all. I hope you find something from this chat to take away with you. Enjoy the listen. How are you currently describing what you do? Or who are you and how are you currently (laughs) describing what you do? Uh, It's always a difficult one. I tend to say artist and designer. Um, I'm trained as a designer and I love to say I'm a graphic designer because people know what that is. But um, it's less and less the truth these days. I tend to um, do a lot of different things as I think everyone does these days and even more so after sort of two years of pandemic where people had to uh, really pivot into doing some new things. So, yeah, I I say artist and designer, even though the truth is a bit of sort of teacher, illustrator, studio manager, shop owner, um, you know, all kinds of different things. But, yeah, for the most part, I'll I'll use those two. Yeah, nice. (laughs) And um, as a quick premise as well, current location, name, studio name, studio where you're working from as well. Yeah, um, I live in Abbotsford and work about 500 metres away, which is then Collingwood. Um, I manage the studio space that I'm in, so I've got five others in there with me. We're all freelancers um, and that honestly changed my life again since I could move back to a shared space after two years working at home on my own, um, just having that sort of people, friendly faces to see and talk to every day um, has been incredible. Yeah, Um, I feel that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. game changer. (sighs) Yeah. Actually just like, yeah, thrive on that environment big time, eh? Me too. I don't know. I mean, you can be very productive working from home and I I certainly am, but as a human, um, you know, on that soul level, it's just so bleak. You just wonder why you do anything at all. Mm. It's just, yeah. It's like having feedback, right? Just even even if it's passive, just to have some sort of human interaction around what you do, just to somewhat validate things a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's huge. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Um so maybe to start to um kind of roll things back a bit and you can kind of pick your pick a point where it makes the most sense. But what is your journey to where you are now? Like tell me your story <laughs> and whether it's condensed or where you wherever you want to start to right to where you uh, sitting today. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to know where to start that 
journey story because normally I would start it, you know, um, when I went to study graphic design, which was 10 years ago now. But honestly, the older I get and I make more personal projects, the more I realize like my whole childhood is so deeply connected <laughs> to what I'm doing now. And I sort of felt a bit aimless in a way when I was a kid. I certainly didn't have any um, career goals or like plan. I in, yeah, I didn't ever even think about the future very much. So, but like very much everything I was interested in as a kid, there's a lot of common threads to how it feeds into my work now or things I sort of experience. But, um, you know, it did sort of begin really when I did start studying graphic design. I was about 21. And then, um, I sort of, it just helped me have this visual language to express sort of everything I was keen to um, put into work and make work about. Um, And the other thing it did for me was it meant I could work um, and have this trade because I did go to TAFE um, at RMIT rather than uni. And TAFE is more like skills, practical related studying, right? Yeah, so I'd actually straight out of school I did do an arts degree because I kind of had a lot of interests and I wanted to study like art history and cinema and French and things like that and it was good for where I was at at that time but I just didn't want any more conceptual stuff because I felt like I was getting that in my own life. Like I sort of knew where to look for that in books and um, movies and things like that. So um, I just really wanted a skills-based course and it was just like a software and sort of it sounds dry but I I was absolutely obsessed with it I was a huge nerd I loved it and it just kind of enabled me to to make the things that I wanted to make but you you really just need someone to show you how to do it so um yeah that's interesting like just whatever's in your head but then applying it to like the practical or technology side of things exactly yeah Yeah, making sense of it that way yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, maybe, yeah. so prior to going to study though, did you have any, like, had you already, were you already kind of making things, you know, drawing, painting, so on and so forth? Was that already kind of swelling up through your life and you're like, I'm going to go down this path? Um, I think it's that difficult thing where, um, I still have this problem and a lot of people I know do who are in design where if you don't identify as a pure artist, you don't really know what to do with your creativity. So I was a kid who constantly made stuff. Like I'd be bored and I'd go through this like, I'm bored, I'm bored and get really frustrated and then find something to occupy myself and lose myself in like, you know, making I don't even know, like it would be anything, um, drawing, like sewing little things, um, painting, I don't know, any kind of creative project that could kind of like occupy my hands for a while. Um, but yeah, like I, I do notice in my work today, there's still quite a lot of the same style, which is often cutting paper out and stuff like that. Um, collage. Was that, was that kind of part of your environment, like through family or school or friends as well, like the access to those things were were they kind of like, yeah, how did, how did that kind of come along or make itself present? Um, It's really my mum. I think a lot of it, I do have 
an artist in the family, but it wasn't really from there. But my parents had this real approach of like entertain yourself kind of thing. So um, we used to growing up since I was quite young, my family started going to France and it was this that they've got a house over there in rural France, which is basically a tiny village. There's nothing to do. Um, and so they would take us there every year. And that was very much like, I mean, it's the same thing in Australia and school holidays and stuff, but this was a place where we had no friends. And um, that was really like, learn to entertain yourself. And it's it's good. Yeah. It's serving me well still in a way. I sort of have things like whether it's reading or just starting a project. Um, it's still things I do now. Like I, I went there the, the final year before the pandemic and um, I ended up making a book because I had a lot of time. <laughs> so, yeah, it carries through for sure. But, yeah, my mum always sort of made sure we had, you know, basic art supplies and and stuff just to sort of busy ourselves with keep her keep us out of out of her hair (laughs) yeah totally yeah yeah. um yeah that's so interesting like just having that I guess you know maybe when you're younger do you kind of agree or do you feel like obviously there's maybe not like this conscious like I'm going to create something or this is you know whatever kind of you want to say but did you feel those kind of urges when you were bored like I want to be doing something rather than like, I don't know, just reading a book or watching TV or whatever it may be or playing a sport or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I still feel like that. Like I I do like lounging around and reading and stuff um, quite a lot, but it's this, it's this urge to kind of create something. And I think um, we all had to go through this in all the lockdowns and stuff, but I notice you can get the same feeling if you embark on like cooking something or even cleaning, you just mm. like go through this thing and at the end you have like a result. And I think the more I think about it now, um, it doesn't even matter what it is. It's just sort of that process and you feel satisfied with what you've done at the end of it and, you know, it doesn't, it's sort of really good to take the pressure off what that thing is. Like half the time the work I make now and as certainly as a kid like at the end of when you finish making it you can just chuck it out like it's done its job kind of thing like it doesn't mm. I don't necessarily want to put all the things I make up on the wall I don't really want to look at them at all but it's yeah, just it's like not feeling. like every meal or everything you cook is memorable <laughs> no. but there's still a process yeah you gotta you gotta make it I remember reading this article and it spoke about this kind of catharticness of cooking, particularly for artists, because it's this thing where there's like a process, but you get a reward pretty instantaneously. Yeah. Whereas a lot of artists have to go through these long kind of projects and minimal, not much feedback or critique, or it's just very much in your own world. And you don't know if it's going to work or not, but so they would go home and cook and really enjoy that process. And I've resonated with that for sure. But yeah. like you said, like the cleaning and so on and just these other tasks that are just seen as like, oh, that's just life, which obviously it is, but you can still have the same feeling from them of yeah. whatever, whatever you call it, satisfaction or fulfillment or something like that. Yeah, Not definitely. Not to say that always cleaning is fulfilling, but. No. no. <laughs> 
yes, it's a drag sometimes as well. But yeah, I, I sort of, you've got to be in the mood to need, need to have that feeling to sort of get up and make something. And I, I definitely get in that mood pretty often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Does, yeah. Sometimes like, there's this, I don't know if you've, with that urge to, to make something and how you were saying, like, there's sometimes this kind of aimlessness and going like, oh, if you're not an artist, you're this and you're this and, you know, kind of trying to define that. But even when, like, when you're making something, do you have like a go-to in terms of like, oh, if I'm just feeling stuck or I just have a quick idea, is it mostly digital now or you're cutting out or like what's the, the fastest way for you to kind of fulfill some of those urges when it's not, say, commercially lent? Yeah, I um, I mean, this is another thread that carries from my childhood, but my mum made us or encouraged us to always do a travel diary when we um, would go away um, and we've got them all and they're really funny. But that was something I picked up again when I was sort of travelling quite a lot in my 20s as a way to process everything I was seeing and i i would i would write stuff and draw but then i just separated them so i'd like write in a journal of what was happening but i just i keep these visual journals um of just stuff that i would see every day and i found that i enjoyed doing that so much and i was still seeing things all the time at home that i wanted to sort of record and stuff so i began just having that journal um, or visual diary on the go at all times. So I'll still pretty much do a drawing every day. And if I don't, um, it's harder and harder when you spend like two solid years in your home. Like I've mm. drawn everything. I've drawn, you know, every <laughs> single thing in the house before. So it's it's harder to find stuff, but that's my go-to sort of like just feel a bit fidgety, want to draw like make something I'll, I'll tend to draw in there but um I also yeah I, a cut paper is one that I like because I think I like just sort of pushing the shapes around on on paper and stuff like that um yeah but I mean you've it's it's sort of a bit more of a difficult point that you are sort of raising because for me like because it's my full-time job now I do less and less sort of play for myself and I mourn that a little bit because I you know as the kid that was making tapestries and whatever for like no reason it was really fun and I didn't have any weight attached to it but now it's sort of like as a professional you expect everything you make to be really good so I think I tend to if I have those sort of urges I'll do like my doodles in my diary and they're not for anyone um or I'll just do something totally different which does tend to be cooking <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah. that's yeah. that kind of um only for you or for your friends who you're cooking for or, exactly. or whatever it may be and there's no pressure to meet, meet like a certain kind of level or output or whatever it may be it absolutely be the most simple, you know cheese on toast or whatever exactly you know. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so true mm. um so with I guess like kind of growing up traveling to places like France you know through all the way through you know childhood now um and then kind of obviously making some maybe semi-conscious choices around like through high school and going into study what were you kind of like 
drawn to externally, maybe not just like the external world of, you know, going to France and being on holiday, but like other artists or other, like, were there any pivotal things that you're like, whoa, that's the style I can, I can follow or that's really interesting. I've never seen people do something like that, particularly in, in how you've shaped your own style. Yeah, I think um, for me, I had to find everything externally because whilst my parents gave me those sort of experiences that helped me be creative, they are not in a creative industry themselves and I had no reference for what a life in that air, that realm um, would look like. So I had to sort of seek out, this is like before Instagram and stuff like that and then it sort of came in when I'd started studying but I you had to sort of look up there was like you know whatever was happening in the city like exhibitions and design conferences and then there was design markets was like a big thing and lots of designers would go there so I just you know started this journey earlier in my 20s sort of going and meeting people and then I sort of did work experience you know, with at various different places and that really helped to just know these creatives and see that they can work, they can have children, um, they can support themselves and and stuff like that. And then I kind of met lots of people um, older and younger than me and it, it took time. I think that's the thing, you know, it's sort of 10 years on now and, you know, I know lots of people in the city now because I've stayed here. But, um, yeah, just ha- I had to have lots and lots of conversations with people to to understand how how this works um in terms of style that was more of a personal thing for me I think discovering illustration as a career um and you know places like the Jackie Winter Agency in Melbourne that would represent illustrators and just knowing it's somewhere between fine art and you know commercial graphic design it's sort of like this it's its own thing and that was really mind-blowing to me um yeah yeah and how so like just because it never seemed like a reality or yeah I I don't think I knew about it as a career at all and you know there's a whole agency of you know hundreds of them of illustrators people just you know honing in on their style developing their style and then you know commercializing that and making a living out of you know you know it's also seeing or seeing it around town like you know on trams on billboards on books you know it's it's that career where you can do pretty much anything with it if you do graphic design and a lot of people will do it and then not end up being a traditional graphic designer they'll sort of veer off but it's hugely helpful to have that background but um, yeah, I mean, I sort of specialised in illustration myself in the end, but seeing those sort of people making their own products and selling them and you have the power to do all of those things. So, um, yeah, it just sort of made me feel very excited about sort of discovering that mm. that world, yeah. Yeah, illustration to me seems so boundless sometimes in terms yeah. of like just not only scale but just that you know, whatever your imagination lends to can be put on to canvas or paper or whatever medium you're using kind of thing compared to from my world being a photographer, unless you're someone like David LaChapelle or something who build these worlds, most of the time it's kind of you can construct a set 
it's to a certain degree or a lot of it's just found and you're looking for an image that you but it's sometimes it for me it's not translating what's in my head is really hard coming out like what's in the world so I found that really interesting yeah purely in illustration do you do you kind of yeah how do you what's the right word not like set yourself boundaries but like how far can you really do you really want to like do you like to just explore before how how much do you like to restrain or put boundaries on your ideas in in the good term of putting boundaries up yeah I remember having a moment and this was a big like turning point moment where I was just like photography exists no one cares if what you're drawing doesn't look exactly like the real thing and you can literally draw it any time you any way you want and that was it sounds so obvious but I think we're all educated to try and replicate reality um you know in art and you know if you draw someone a portrait of someone that doesn't look anything like them you're like think you failed you know that sort of and it's like there's that idea of being so incredibly disappointed when you draw something and it's wonky and like it's proportions are all wrong and like you know that that's what it's like especially when you're starting out and I'm not like a god-given talent like you know a lot of people are but I was more interested in that sort of stylizing things and I think as soon as I sort of like realized that's the whole point of illustration really is like your style and how um, you can sort of warp things because like I mean there's a whole school of people that draw realistically and that's incredible to behold as well but it's not within my skill set I could never do that so it was sort of about rolling with my limitations and sort of learning how to use that to your advantage like um, if I don't if I can't draw something it's like well how do you simplify it in a way that you can get it down on paper yeah in terms of boundaries I mean I guess it depends if you're working to a brief um you know, and you have to sort of have various things in a composition mm. um, to fulfill, you know, you might be trying to sell something or whatever, and that can be hard. But, um, yeah, I I don't know. I think, I think just, you know, finding a balance between something that people understand what they're looking at, if that's the point, um, but it also having the flavour of being drawn by you because there's a lot of people out there um, you know, illustrating on iPads and stuff now, it's quite accessible. So you need to have your own style. Um, you know, there's a, a, a place for everything, I think. But, um, yeah, I think really developing that, you know, that's the slow slow burn. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That makes me think then, as you were saying a little earlier, like how you studied um, in your kind of early 20s and you obviously like meeting people, going to exhibitions, you know, discovering like the wider world of of things, both from like an art- artistic point of view and perhaps more a commercial point of view. Maybe thinking about like a parallel like trajectory as you're like maybe defining or, or just discovering your own style, like, you know, as you as you make work, like what was it like for you starting to to work as as a as a profession and and did you yeah like what what was that like as you were defining a style as well like on that those kind of early come-ups of like okay I'm 
you know, someone approaches you for a job or you go, Hey, check out my work. Like how did that kind of work in, in those, in, in those kind of years of Melbourne particularly? Um, it's pretty hard because I think at the start you have ideas maybe about how you want something to look and there's a real thing that changes as you get older, I think, in that you tend to hate everything you make at the start. It's not there. And then you get to a point where you don't necessarily love it, but you're happy with it. So it's sort of like there is this real like um, evolution in that you can make work that you're satisfied with. It's to your standards of being what you want to express. But I mean, for me, um, I certainly remember that change and, and stuff and, you know, having the education around like how to put a composition together and um, just a few rules like kind of did help me. And, um, you know, I used to think that was all rubbish sort of thinking about like um, these design principles and stuff like that, but they actually are um, there to serve you in a way. So that sort of education helped me. But I always had clear ideas about colours. I liked pattern. It was sort of things that I was looking around. Um, Maybe I'd been gathering my whole life and I sort of, you know, was very influenced by like vintage um, advertising and stuff like that. And a lot of that does come from sort of spending time in France and going to Japan a lot and looking at all their mascots and their colours and their graphics and things like that. Um, But, yeah, it's sort of like it's sort of consuming all of that stuff and then working out what to do with it. But yeah, I mean, it's not comfortable at the start. You're not, you're not really happy a lot of the time. And it's just, it's just practicing heaps, I think. Yeah. And like, you know, making a lot of ugly stuff, which unfortunately Instagram sort of came, came out when I was in my second year at TAFE, which, you know, it means there's stuff on there that's from that time, but it was <laughs> such a gift. Hasn't been put into the archives. It hasn't. I, every time I've combed back, down it's honestly it's 10 years which is scary but um every time I go back through it in the middle of the night which I haven't done for ages but I I always think oh my god what's on there I'm gonna have a look and get rid of it and then I'm like I go back there and I'm like this was part of the journey I can't delete it it's like a moment in time um it's so it's all still there (laughs) it's so cool I guess it adds context a bit and it's so sometimes it's so good to just like reflect and be like damn I've come so far yeah just to like (laughs) you know, checking on it and be like, yeah, just like <laughs> talk to your younger self kind of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, so like in terms of maybe getting like, you know, first clients and stuff like that, and I was I, just from my own experience, like it's terrifying sometimes, but it's also so exciting to be like, yeah. wait, what does that email say? That's from who? Yeah. And stuff like that. And you're yeah. like, whoa. So when your work starts to get noticed as you're creating you know, or showcasing your own style and coming out with it. Like what was those kind of more commercial um, experiences like in in the earlier days, Um, just as based off what you're saying about like figuring things out? Yeah. um, I figured a lot of things out on the jobs as well, which is, you know, was I feel so grateful for having that sort of platform to share stuff that I did make um even though a lot of it's crap you know it doesn't matter because it sort of helped me get more work and then I learn more um so I'm very grateful for that sort of social media you know the blessing and the curse that it is now it really helped me um uh so 
yeah, in terms of um, how it all started to happen, that played a big role. Um, I yeah, and and as you say, like the the rush you feel from people contacting you is, you know, I still get it today, but there was nothing like it at the start because I sort of didn't believe I could even do this as a career. So it was it was so exciting. Um, it was all the years of work I'd put in even before that um, that paid off um, and it wasn't that many by comparison to how many years it is now. But it was sort of, it was me really going for it while I was studying and taking advantage of everything and doing, being on committees and design conferences. And it's, it's this mentality that sort of can drive you slightly mad if you let it ruin your life. But it's like every single job Every encounter, every person, you know, is an opportunity, whether it's just to learn something or have a good conversation, but also you might get some inspiration or you might get a job. So it's sort of like just go for it in every aspect of your life. And like at a sort of literal level, um, I did, I mean, I sort of did wedding invites and business cards and all of that stuff for my friends. But um, pretty soon after graduating, I, um, did a, a book job. So I illustrated a book and that was a huge learning curve. But um, after that, it, there has been a lot of books in my life and that was, that's been a common thread. But um, yeah, there was all kinds of stuff for a long time. Um, yeah, I, I can't even, too many to name, but um, books and editorial was sort of a, a big one. Here's something. Uh, here's, yeah. here's something. Um, that made me think as well. Yeah. It's what I'm, I'm interested in is like that early stage of like a creative um, career, um, if you want to call it that, but you're essentially still like developing a skill and practicing while getting clients. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I guess you could always say that you're continuously practicing and you're constantly learning, but there's definitely like this, very early stage of like big time learning where you're like, whoa, everything is new. Um, so when like a new client comes along and you've, you know, freshly graduated or you've just done stuff for friends, what were the, particularly in Melbourne anyway, like what was that like as an illustrator or, or a graphic designer kind of coming up and being like getting noticed and then going, oh, wow, like what this is what it's like. Yeah, what were those yeah, experiences like while you're still practicing essentially? I mean, the thing about this job is like every job these days, even now, is still likely to teach you something. So there's this real appeal of, um, you know, working with a new client or a team and, you know, whatever the product is that you're working on because it's something you might not come up with alone and that's sort of why I'm drawn to working commercially because I like that sort of starting point and some constraints. But, I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, um, tears to, you know, what it's like. Like you have to you get a lot better at reading between the lines of what people want and what will look good and what will work successfully for a job. But, I mean, it is it's sort of terrifying, um, you know, working in quite a public way and, you know, sharing sharing your work both with a client and with, you know, an audience and then, you know, probably putting it on your social media and website and things like that. So there's this, uh, you know, um, you're, you're putting it out into the public eye and it's sort of 
putting yourself out there, but you really kind of get out what you put in. I think it's sort of like there is a personal cost to um, doing that, but you grow at the same time. It's sort of terrifying. And I think one of the main things is like imposter syndrome with that whole thing is like, um, you know, you are young and they know that you're young and, and inexperienced and people can sort of take advantage of that. But it also has to be you owning that you know what you're doing um, mm. or have some sort of talent or, you know, ability to help them out with what they need. So there's a whole lot of sort of like managing your emotions around it. But I think even on jobs these days I learn something from every single project that I work on and that's that's why I'm really drawn to doing um, commercial work rather than personal art art all the time because I like to have a client and some constraints and, you know, a a product to work with or a starting point. And I think, um, yeah, it's, it's really nice to go on a journey every time you, you start a new project because it, you have other brains on it and they'll sort of push you in ways that are beneficial to the project, but also to you. Like you learn a lot about yourself and about relationships but also um you might just be pushed to try something that you wouldn't otherwise and you might really like it (laughs) so um yeah yeah. Yeah. I guess like from my experience just being a photographer and sometimes on film sets you're like generally around like a team of people physically like on a location and perhaps maybe with like graphic design or illustration or whatever um apart from if you're working in a studio around people, like what's it like in terms of, or what was it like in terms of like learning on the job per se with like processes and like maybe not so much like the business side of things, but going like how to like start communicating ideas and coming up with things where you're like, Oh, I've never been around this, but so I always felt like I learned a lot on location and you're like, Oh, that person does it that way. So is it has it been similar or what's it like as in your world essentially? Um, I think it's not like that but because you're always working with a client like remotely and you're working on your own. Um, but I think what you do is then you seek out sort of other illustrators um, to meet up with and ask them how they do things and, you know, some of it's maybe per- private or like you know guarded um but that my experience is that everyone's always really been pretty generous um with their knowledge and skills and stuff and that's probably because they're quite secure in their own work by the time I'm meeting up with them so Mm. I've had a positive experiences with all of that stuff but I you know it's a really nice thing um if you're in a certain industry to sort of send a message to people that you don't know and say hey I'm an illustrator, I love your work, I'd love to meet up with you. And I've always done that, you know, compliment them on a project they've done or whatever. And I have, you know, I've met up with lots of different illustrators in my town and, you know, in Italy and London and, um, I don't know, America. It's sort of this nice platform that you you have to, you know, talk about shared experiences um, and, yeah, you can sort of gain that knowledge that way. Maybe actually for context, um, we've just, you know, we've just been talking about those kind of early 
commercial jobs and and what that's like um, as like an early creative kind of jumping into that world. Coming forward like a little bit, what's just for context, like what's a what's a project that you've recently worked on that you're like really kind of proud of and like stoked on? Um, yeah, I have done quite a lot of books in the last couple of years. So I um, in terms of a proper project with working with a team, um, I did just release a kid's book. So that was um, my first book for children and I felt a bit unqualified to to make something for children because I don't have children and I sort of I've always made stuff for adults only because that's something that I sort of know how to do but um that was surprisingly extremely satisfying and I think because illustration is the hero um of a kid's book a picture book so um yeah it was it was a lot more fun than I sort of realized it might be um yeah well yeah. what was like what what made it fun or what like what does that idea of like success or just like that feeling of like wow kind of look and feel like um the reason it was fun is because I made it about something that was personally interesting to me and I made it from my perspective so I didn't have to sort of dumb anything down or make you know consciously think it's for children at all it's sort of it's about shopping at the market and sort of like looking at fresh local produce and and that whole experience around you know knowing where your food comes from and thinking about what you're going to prepare for the week and things like that things that I'm I'm really into um, myself and that I think that's how you have a successful project because that love is really there and it's just sort of about finding I sort of think about that with every project like if you can twist it in a way that um, you know that you are really happy with if you can whether it's just sort of like the cult you know, putting your personal favorite colors in there or something like that. If, if you're sort of happy with it, I think that sort of enthusiasm comes out a lot more and informs the project. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe in terms of that, then like, have you always like, do you, maybe the right question is like, do you separate yourself from certain commercial jobs or um, is there always like this is what I'm interested in and who I am and my experiences and they'll always kind of show up in my work regardless of commercially branded or business or whatever? That's a really huge question and um, I think um, people always sort of take a different approach to that um, and that's the whole kind of big question about whether you do want to go professional with maybe something that could be your personal passion prior to to mm. monetizing it but for me I sort of I'm a commercially minded person I like work I like being paid for it um I like that it's my job however I do put a, yeah I put a lot of myself into every project and I am pretty um sort of I behave a bit like an artist a lot of the time. Like it's got to be up to a certain standard. It's got to mean something in a way, like it's got to have some sort of depth to it, whether it's just visual or I don't know, you know, it just needs to be sort of well considered. And in terms of putting myself into things, yes, that 
that happens most of the time. And, you know, I have done jobs where there's not that much of an opportunity to do that, whether, you know, but most of the time, honestly, the only kind of work I sort of chase and then therefore put out into the world and then receive back in the format of other jobs is that kind of personal that people come to me for that personal style and voice, which is what, you know, what I'm putting out there. And that's something I've sort of, I'm really happy with. I think, you know, I have the skills to just lay out a book or something like that, but I wouldn't get to put that personality in, in that same way. Cause that's not really who I am, <laughs> but um, yeah, I put a lot of it into it. And I think it's sort of, as I was saying about the kids book, it's sort of like, you know, how can I make a kid's book that makes sense for me? And it's like, oh, cool, put all the things I love in there from the market, like all the graphics and the fruit mascots and we're going to put a fluoro orange ink in there to make it like really loud. And, um, you know, it's it's cool for me. And it's sort of instead of me just thinking like, oh, what do kids want in a book? Let's give them what they want. It's sort of like, oh, let's give me what I want. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, that's kind of always um... – I don't know what the right right term is. Like it's not being like a selfish artist, but as an artist, you're always kind of presenting or, or making an understanding of the world from your own experiences. So to do it any other way, maybe would never make sense anyway, right? Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. It's it's just really hard because I think when you're working for someone, you've always got this like people pleasing thing. Like you want them to be happy. Like I'm not you know, of that Picasso kind of nature where it's like, I don't care if they don't like it. Like, I think it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's like, of course we want people to like it, but yeah, it's, it's sort of finding the balance between like keeping them happy, but also keeping you happy and sort of bearing in mind that this is your life, you know, full-time job, you know, you've devoted your life to sort of aesthetics and knowing what looks good. So you have to sort of trust your, your eye on that stuff as well yeah yeah yeah. that makes total Mm. sense um maybe then like a a larger question before we start talking about being active in the world um in terms of just like um yeah your kind of creative practice and obviously it's being a career and and a job but what keeps you coming back (laughs) um there are certain elements of it when you make something or do something and you'll check yourself and be like, I love this so much. This is so much fun. And I think, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. Cause like, it is just a job, but it's like each achievement you have, even if it's major, it's sort of like, you got to move on to the next one. It's not like, you know, I publish a book and I, that's a highlight of my life. It's sort of like, that is what I do for a living. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, I think everyone will have certain parts that they love and then there's like a lot of grind, which, um, you know, it might not be what you think as well. Like people um, respond really strongly when you put something tangible out into the world or something that they can understand. So, you know, when they see your exhibition or they see your book in a bookshop, they think that's really impressive and a huge moment. But it's like, you know, the stuff I enjoy is honestly probably just more working like nine to five and you know, um, being in the studio and sort of mucking around. And I, I I don't know, I I think what keeps me coming back is it is incredibly satisfying, um, to 
you have to work quite hard a lot of the time um, to sort of go on this journey. But then when you've produced something at the end of it, it's sort of, it's kind of amazing. And it, I think it's it's going somewhere you, you can't really predict as well, which most projects are like for me. You sort of, you don't um, necessarily conceive of how it will look at the end. You sort of discover it by kind of experimenting a whole bunch and playing around and things will turn out quite differently to how you expect most of the time. And I don't know, it's, it's satisfying when you sort of get there through, through that journey. Mm, Mm. Yeah, that's so true. I really kind of like agree with those sentiments and that idea of like just the dailiness of, of doing something is, yeah, sometimes not outweighs, but that accumulation of satisfaction is, is in those kind of yeah daily bits and pieces of making things and just keeping the wheels turning yep. sometimes definitely is, is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I definitely relate to that. Yeah. Um, so let's talk a bit about running. Yes. Um, <laughs> cause that's another half of the reason why we're here. Yes. Um, and I know you've been a runner for a long time. You come from a family of running. Yep. So where does run, when did running fit into your life like when was the the starting point and and what is your like relationship to it yeah now um I mean it came into my life by default um and so it took a bit of a process of me sort of rebelling against things that were imposed on me um to discovering I actually need running (laughs) in my life so yeah I do come from a family of runners dad signed us up to his running group when I was about 10 or 11 and you know we would go and then sort of I would be a bit like questioning everything when I was in my teens and um yeah I was a bit sort of rebellious and I didn't necessarily want to know about that stuff but um yeah, I mean, I think running comes quite easily to me because I know other people have struggled with it a bit more and I probably have that sort of muscle memory from having always done that. But, um, yeah, I sort of always would do the, the runs with the family sort of um, when I was an early teenager and then I did take a couple of years off to sort of like party and do whatever I wanted and then I discovered that um, – in so many ways it helps me, um, you know, with I just there's heaps of things I love about it and now more than ever because um, my job is is fairly sedentary if I am just doing design work, um, there's just that urge to um, to move and to be outside and there's, yeah, the, the more I do it, the more I like it, which is ironic because the harder it gets as you get older in a way because you sort of injure yourself more and, and stuff like that. But, yeah, just burning off steam, seeing the wildlife, you know, nothing like two years of lockdown and only being allowed out for an hour a day to really make you crave <laughs> getting yeah, out there. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Was so, so was there a particular point where running became like your own thing, like a decision that you were like, this is for me and maybe a little bit more separate to like growing up with it as like a family thing? Yeah, absolutely. And I sort of had to define what it was for me because I've got like a marathon running dad and my sister is way better at running than me and she's way faster. And instead of sort of trying to keep up, um, I just have had to sort of accept like 
I don't care. I do it. I, you know, I don't care about my time so much. Like I just, it's, it's more about the fact that I have just done it at all. Um, and for me, it was sort of this thing that I decided to come back to. And I was only about 20 um, after having a little bit of time off to sort of really go clubbing and sleep in. Um, <laughs> and then I started to like, you know, to do it myself and it would be just like running around the block and then running 5K. And then one day I decided to just run 8K for the first time. And after that, I sort of, the only, I've never done anything super long distance and that does run in the family to run long distance but I'm I've decided like for me I think the most I've ever run is about 16k and that's sort of enough and you know I tend to do sort of 8 to 10k's runs most of the time and that is like 45 minutes to a bit over an hour is sort of like enough um yeah and I love it like you can cover a lot of ground in that time and I think another big part of my personal journey with running is, um, you know, a lot of it came with sort of having this sit down work and just itching to get out and move. But um, I think traveling, I've sort of ran everywhere I've ever traveled as well. And it's this sort of like exploring time early in the morning before everyone else is awake and you just get to like cover all this ground that would take you hours if you were walking. Um, and when I've traveled with other people, you know, they're just sleeping and I get to go out and run around like Tokyo or something like that um, really early in the morning and sort of see what's happening. And it's this whole other dimension of, of life. It's cool. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. That's one of the bit I've always like happened to have discovered like, a cafe or a different part of a neighborhood yeah. purely from that sense of thing. And that's, I've always found more exciting than having to like see what the top 10 searches on Google were yep. kind of thing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in terms of like, just like a, a pretty constant then in your life, um, how do you feel or how do you find it has shaped kind of your day to day, particularly um, in your creative practice like I can think me and you've kind of touched on this in, in passing conversations before as well um it just became absolutely essential to me I think when my life became more um predictable and sort of routine rather than all over the place um so I think studying and like working you know all kinds of jobs and being a bit more nocturnal and having you know, going out at night a lot more, things like that. It was it was a bit harder to have a routine, even though I sort of prided myself on running being possible for me, no matter how much sleep <laughs> I'd had, and because it would yeah. sort of help me anyway. Um, but yeah, I think now there's just no chance of me ever really bailing on that, and I used to have to war war with myself a lot more to sort of be like come on you should go for a run come on you'll feel better when you've done it like that sort of hanging over my head to just sort of learning a few things like I just need to do it as soon as I wake up so I I, I prefer it that way so it's sort of like over with and um I don't know I'm better at in at running in the morning anyway but um in terms of now I sort of I'll exercise every morning um because that's just sort of part of my morning routine and you know it is sort of I don't necessarily move a lot in my job um if I don't have sort of a designated session like that so um I wouldn't want to change it 
at all. It's not a chore. It's sort of like something I really, I didn't think this would ever happen to me. I think it was for such a long time. It was like something you should do for your health and like, you know, but then I think just more than ever after the pandemic, just for your head as well as, um, as everything else, it's just like, yeah, it's incredibly important. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Do you find like in just in your own kind of circle or bubble or whatever you kind of network, whatever you want to call it, friend group, blah, blah, blah. Do you, are you finding more people running or do people like to talk about it? Like I, I obviously come from, not come from, but I'm around a lot of people who run. So that sometimes it's like the only conversation, but there's still like a large group of people that don't talk about it at all or are still have this kind of like, oh, that's, oh, that's the thing you do kind of thing. How do you find that in your kind of world? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I actually, I tend to be like the exercise fanatic in my world, which is like, it's quite funny really, because what they don't understand is like, whilst I will always do it and I do it very often, it's not, it's not necessarily super hard a lot of the time. It's just more about like consistency. Um, than really going for it. But um, look, I think from what I know from my dad as well, like running is extremely commonplace now. Like a, people don't have to identify as a runner to go for a run. And I think a lot of people I know, you know, they might jog around the block um, fairly often and stuff like that. But in terms of my immediate close friends, like no one, no one's running. People are like walking their dogs or they've got, more active sort of careers like so they'll sort of be quite physically exhausted um anyway Mm. by the end of the day but um no I tend to be a bit of a weird exercising anomaly around a lot of people that I hang out with yeah yeah that's interesting yeah Yeah, I guess it I guess it's like some yeah I've always found sometimes it being like this outlier thing even though it's you know obviously one of the most popular and somewhat accessible sports in the world but yeah, you can still find your groups of friends or family or whatever. And it's, you're like, Oh, what you're, you're a runner. Oh, okay. Um, and that's always quite an interesting thing. Um, yeah. Do you, do you kind of see yourself being maybe not so much like your dad and running like marathons, but do you see yourself running like, you know, well into your older age? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I've sort of even just, in the last couple of years, like I, with lockdown, with having the gym closed, um, and I did start to do a bit more like um, varied exercise at a certain point in my life as well. So I, I'd run, but I would also do a bit of gym as well. Um, and then as soon as sort of the gyms closed in lockdowns, like having only running, I just realized the toll. I know it doesn't take a big toll on everyone's body because I've, I've other people I know can sort of run endlessly but in terms of my body um you know you realize like I can't actually do this as much as I'd like to um which is sort of every day in lockdown um so yeah it's it's something I hope and certainly plan to always do but I've sort of um have experienced injuries and um when I have a really um intense time with work like uh, sometimes I do have to do really physical sort of installation stuff and I, I get really tired and I can run, but I can see it's not as good. So I can just see that like, you know, as much as I can, I, I definitely certainly 
plan to always keep running, but I, I also accept that at some point it might have to really slow down or, you know, I'll really probably treasure those um, experiences because I, I, I won't be able to do them as much as I'd like to. Yeah, so true. I guess it's just like doing it presently as much as you can, right? Yeah. Just like taking it as it comes um, and kind of listening to yourself or your body or whatever you call it as yes, you go along. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's so true. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I've, I kind of have the same sentiments and it's just like, I mean, you can kind of have these kind of goals and plans and kind of dreams about things and which is I love as well, but there's also this idea of just accepting things as they come to you while you try. And maybe that's the same with like making work too. You have like these goals and so on and so forth and, but you're kind of just things come and go and they change unexpectedly sometimes too yeah and I think it's about how you cope with those things as well because yeah you can be sort of resilient in theory but in practice it can be quite hard to sort of roll Uh, you know it's just like getting injured out of the blue it's like it's pretty hard (laughs) oh my gosh yeah yeah. I know that too well too well I know (laughs) yeah um so talk to me maybe just as we kind of like wrap up a bit um what what are you kind of thinking about for like the future a bit in terms of making work and traveling and, and like, obviously you've just had like a new book come out. What, where are you kind of, where are you dreaming and where are you thinking of going to next? Um, or are you just waiting for it essentially? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think about that constantly. I think where I'm at really is like, we are all sort of had everything stripped away, especially in Melbourne, you know, for a couple of years, like just nothing felt possible. And it it was this real sort of soul crushing feeling, or it was just different to what I knew um, for such a long time was that like, if, you know, if you wanted something, you could normally make it happen or you could go somewhere or make something. And there's a lot of energy around you with other people making things. Um, And I think removing all that, was really soul destroying for me. And then um, I think it's sort of like we've wiped the slate clean in a way. So I think it's how I feel is that like everything sort of got taken away for a bit and now it's like deciding what we're going to put back in. Um, And, you know, two years have passed. I think a lot of things have changed. I've grown older and it's like I sort of went through a lot of soul searching earlier in the year, like wondering like, you know, what parts I do keep from my pre-pandemic life and my life during the pandemic, which was, you know, my, I, I ended up selling tons of artwork, um, because that was, you know, everyone was working from home and they had white walls and they wanted artwork to go on the walls. So I ended up sort of doing a lot of that. And I made a few personal projects. I made some books. Um, so it's just like, you know, I did a lot of teaching as well. And that was another sort of facet to it all. Um, and I sort of like, you know, I was really putting a lot of pressure on myself to work out what I'm doing and what feels good and all that stuff. But I haven't found the answers. I think it's just sort of, it's a bit of a combination of sort of like seeing what happens. And, you know, there's always a job around the corner if you're freelancer, like you, you sort of never know what's coming. Yeah, so true. But yeah, I think I think what everyone learned from the pandemic and certainly me was sort of, you know, 
work feels great, but, you know, just to sort of value all that other stuff that kind of got taken away for a bit and, you know, making sure, you know, I've sort of built my career to a certain degree now and you always have to keep pushing and stuff, but like maybe you don't have to push as hard <laughs> as I did in yeah. my twenties. Yeah. Um, you can be a bit kinder to yourself yeah. and maybe go for a longer run if, if it, oh, instead of being in the studio totally. all day type of yeah. thing. Yeah, cruising at 11 and I do that pretty often now. So things yeah. have changed and I want to keep it that way. Just it's about balance. It's all about the balance. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. I was talking to someone about balance the other day and they're like, yeah, yeah, I got to find this balance. And I was like, then I had this like picture in my head and I was like, wait, balancing is like kind of hard though. Cause yeah. it's like, you're on like a, you think of like the common, like a tightrope walker and you're like, that's like, you've got to be pretty strong yeah. to be balanced. So true. And I was like, yeah, it's a funny um, term. Cause you think like quite Zen being balanced and you're like, actually, that's probably the hardest thing to be doing. So true. Um, yeah. But it's kind of the place that you want to be working towards. So it's, I like that. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't necessarily exist and like things will always sort of ebb and flow and stuff. But I think for me, I definitely lent too far into sort of work pre-pandemic certainly. And I think just making sure to sort of snatch those little um, moments of enjoying, enjoying life because, you know, as a freelancer, you might be working on a Saturday night or, you know, um, you'll have these sort of strange hours. So I think if you want to just chill out in the morning on a Wednesday, like making sure you do that and not feel feel guilty about it that's the key yeah yeah I mean I know you and I both are similar and loving like the slow morning yes love it it's like the longest coffee yeah. you can possibly have <laughs> no, sitting yeah. in the sun the best yeah yeah which is hard for being a runner when you're like I should go for a run but I also just want to have my long slow coffee. <laughs> I know I know but like yeah. just trying to like ignore that voice in your head that's telling you to sort of get moving all the time just sort of like yeah. enjoy yourself yeah yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Alice. I think that was like perfect. Cool. I'm really stoked. Yeah. Awesome. We're pretty much just on an, on an hour. Okay, fab. So, thank you for having yeah. me. I love to talk. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, same. I love it too. <laughs>